I love the Blue Ridge Parkway. Anybody ever been on it? I had an opportunity to be on it in 1993. Places like Linville Falls, Grandfather Mountain, all those places that are on the Bluegrass Parkway are close to my heart. As a matter of fact, Linville Falls, I have people who know me know I like waterfalls. And waterfalls are one of those things where um, I just like to take pictures of them if they're not too dangerous. I like to get under them, swim around them, and and just feel the water cascade all over me. It just makes me feel alive. Well, Linville Falls is a very large waterfall if you've never seen it. And it's down down in a, in a, in a valley, if you will, or a, a canyon almost like. And to get there, if you want to be up close to it, which I did, you're supposed to take a trail. Well, I asked someone where the trail was, and they said, go there, and it kind of veers off to the right. And this particular day I was on vacation, it was the second day of vacation, of a two-week vacation. And I went down the trail and I saw a little, kind of little mud path off to the right. And I thought, well, this must be it. Well, about halfway down that mud path, I began to fall and slid. And pretty soon I was at about an 80-foot drop straight down and still sliding. And I, and I said, oh, this is not good. <laughs> It, literally not good. This must not be the trail. I must have made the wrong turn. When that moment happened, I said, God, I don't know what to do. And I grabbed a tree and it stopped me, but I was now about 15 feet down on the edge of this rock cliff. And uh, I couldn't get back up. And uh, I could go down, but I didn't want to go down like that. And I, as I was hanging there, Hanging onto this tree, I, I began to lose my grip. And I started shaking. And I was scared. And I realized that for another 12 days, nobody would know I was gone. They wouldn't come looking for me. And I saw real quick my life flash before my eyes. And I said, This is not a good ending. I was uh, still a young man in my uh, 20s. And. Um, and I saw all this happening. And, uh, and the tree I gave had was hanging on to it. was about this thick. It gave way too. And I started sliding again. And in desperation, I just reached out and a little twig of a root of something about the size of my finger was sticking out. I got a hold of it and grabbed a hold. It shouldn't have held me, but it grabbed a hold of it. Another 15 feet down this cliff. And as I was still there, surprised that I wasn't falling all the way down, I looked and I saw a little ledge, another foot and a half, two feet below me. That if I could get to that ledge, I saw maybe a way to hop from ledge to ledge to get down. And so I gathered my composure, I, I let go of my backpack, which was on me, weighing me down as well, and I tossed it over the side and I said, well, at least I don't know who it was because my stuff was in there who was laying in the ground there. Should have put a phone number in there for in case of emergency call this person, but I didn't do that. And uh, and I let go of a little twig, slid another couple feet down the face and landed on the ledge. And if you know what happens when all this adrenaline rush hits you, I was like this on the ledge. Shaking. Bad. And I'm going, I'm alive. 
Thank you, God, I'm alive. And uh, I'm still here. So you know that the ledge led to another, to another, to another. And I have some pictures of me at Linville Falls that happened after that. <laughs> that um, uh, now remind me of that experience. But um, I want to tell you something. That, that scary place on the edge of that cliff reminds me of our words from our Scripture today. I'm going to invite you to stand for the first three verses of Psalm 46. God is our shelter and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not be afraid, even if the earth is shaken and mountains fall into the ocean depths, even if the seas roar and rage and the hills are shaken by the violence. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm glad I didn't pass away on that cliff. I'm so glad. Maybe some wild critters might have found me before anybody else did. I may have never been seen again. But i got to tell you, also in that area are some wonderful wildlife areas. I went camping in Boone. It was a fantastic experience. I recommend it. Just absolutely gorgeous out there. But I fell in love with a place where they have um, a lot of uh, wildlife that are um, captured, if you will, or protected because they've been injured. Uh, on, on Grandfather Mountain, they have the wild eagles and some leopards and things like that. Cougars, I believe, are there as well. And, and it's natural habitat. And I went to Grandfather Mountain and I fell in love with the place. I remember uh, driving around that mountain and feeling like this mountain was unmovable. I felt totally secure there. At the very top, it was closed on this particular day, they have a bridge that's like a hanging bridge and you can go across it, but it hangs over several hundred feet of nothing. And the breeze can make it sway, so a lot of people don't want to cross this thing because it shakes. If you've ever been with us to Anita, it's much worse than that bridge. Much worse and much longer and much more dangerous. And that particular day I didn't get to go on. But the reason I share this story is because I've never in my life until that point found a place where I felt safe. Like this mountain protected me. Then no matter what happened, I could come to this mountain and it would be strong, majestic, unmovable. And that connection for me, every time I think of that mountain, there's this sense of peace inside that I know a place on earth where I can go where a strong mountain can rescue and shelter and keep me safe. I don't know if you've ever had a connection with a place like that, but I did that year, and I've never forgotten it. But now, I will say this, that there are other places in this world I feel safe and that have helped me. I relied on my mom and dad for years. Years. They were my help and strength. I could go to them for just about anything and, you know, they'd help me. Sometimes it was a bailout of a financial mess. Sometimes it was a place to stay for a night or a few hundred. I was always welcomed home. 
And I knew without question mom would have breakfast, lunch, and supper. Always. Would rely on that too. So if I was hungry and I went home, there was a meal. You know, we get attachments to our grandparents, parents. Anytime we go home, there's usually a nice meal set out. Or something to eat. And you know, that, that gives us comfort, doesn't it? sense of peace. And my dad, he'd have answers because he'd been through a lot of stuff I'd been through. He'd lived a lot of life. And he had answers to questions I didn't have. So I could always trust his counsel. And where they lived, I connected that as a safe place. But over the years, enter cancer, illness. Now those things are gone. My parents are no longer here. The home place is no longer our property. It's gone. Life has moved on. You see, safe places sometimes fade. Storms become bigger than old solutions. And those old solutions often don't exist anymore. Where do we go when the old things aren't there? The comforting places. What do we turn to? Our Scripture today, it's even on the screen there, it says, even if the seas roar and rage, even if the mountains are shaken and tossed into the sea, even if these things happen, God is still our shelter and strength. But I want to change up that a little bit. I'm not messing with Scripture. I'm putting it into practical terms and change the even if to even when. Even if sounds like these things might not happen. Even when says these things will happen someday because we can't assume they won't. Now there are times in my life when I knew God was there and I needed Him. I remember a lot of times when uh, I was uh, 15 years old and was in a car wreck that almost took my life and ended up having uh, a halo brace and surgery because of it in a hospital for 17 days. Almost didn't survive. I knew God was there in that crash or I wouldn't have been alive. I know when a few months before that, when I met Jesus Christ at Bothwell Chapel at McKendry College, which is now McKendry University, I know God was there. I know when I was in third grade and locked myself in the bathroom and then locked myself in the bathroom closet by mistake so my sister couldn't find the Frisbee I was hiding we were playing hide-and-seek with, that I couldn't get out. But it just so happened that the men who were going to paint our house that day happened to be coming a little earlier than, than they anticipated. Actually, they were scheduled for the following day, but Larry had had an opening and came early. just so happened to be on the roof of our house and my sister went outside and said, there's a fan in the bathroom window which happened to be in the window. Could you pull that fan out go in there and get my brother? He's trapped and he's scared. And my mother said, there's nothing I can do, son. We're going to have to wait. And I'm in the closet crying and scared, dark, learning to have claustrophobia. Yet Larry was there within five minutes of the time I locked myself in. God was there. I know that. I know God answers prayers of a young child. I know that God was in the process of me coming here. Without question, I know that. God is there. And I knew it in those moments. There are times in my life when I felt God was not there. When my sister died in a car wreck when I was five and I was a witness. 
When my mother was diagnosed with cancer, and on the same day, our, my mom was lifelighted, later finding out she had cancer. My wife diagnosed with cancer. I lost a job and my mentor died. All in the same few hours on that day. I didn't feel like God was there. It was more than I could handle. When I was a freshman in high school, I was too small to start on the football team. At that age, that was a crisis. I really wanted to play. And I thought God didn't care because He didn't make me taller than four foot eight in high school. That wasn't fair. Especially when I was one of the better tacklers they had on the team. I just couldn't bring anybody down because they were all bigger. And on uh, March 6th, 1998, uh, the day that my first marriage was falling apart and they were cleaning out the house and I had to wait at police custody to stay away, I said, where are you, God? You are not here. And in that moment was the moment I made a very tragic decision. But I said, God, if you're not going to help me, I'm going to do it my way. And my way fell apart pretty bad, real quick. But those promises were because I didn't believe God could do it or He would have. And yet here we say, in, in the book of Hebrews, God promised to never leave or forsake us. Yet, even so, I'm sure there are times when I've questioned where He was. And I'm sure you've had those times too. And it's at times when our pain is at the worst that God seems the most distant and hard to find. We cry out and help is not immediately available. The pain doesn't leave. The sickness doesn't get cured. The storm keeps raging. The fear grows. The rainy season becomes a flood. The dry season becomes a famine. The depression turns into despair. The loneliness becomes abandonment. A financial crisis becomes a nightmare financially. A bad fight becomes a breakup. A breakup becomes permanent. Do you know of anyone who has not experienced the deepening of a bad situation? Even when? And the seas start to roar and rage. And the mountains start to shake. The temptation is to worry and fret, isn't it? It can lead us to anxiety and headaches and heart conditions. And if you want or need to worry about something, you don't have to look very far to get it. The newspaper. Any newspaper. The news. Any news channel. Listen to gossip. Plenty to worry about there. You can believe the worst. These are readily available ways to create stress in your life. And what we fear in those things is actually possible. Otherwise, we wouldn't fear about it. It is actually possible. This could be true. This could actually happen. There is a possibility. If we said something like, yeah, I could win the lottery. Well, there's a possibility, but I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to bank my future on it. That's dumb. But these things we worry about, there's possibility. So it gives us credibility, we think, to worry about them. To fret. To create. 
a bigger situation what's there. But we fear. And when we do, we don't know how to grow. How to change it. What to do. Because the fear takes over. What is it that was said in the old saying, the only thing we had to fear is fear itself? That's not true. But fear is a problem. It creates sadness, loneliness, anxiety. We are a fearful people. Advertisements, politics, all that bases it on fear. Wouldn't it be wonderful to hear a political campaign that said, we're the love people. We're going to love you so much, we're going to bless you and help you. Rather than say, we're going to stop the madness and change everything that you're afraid of. We're going to fix the mess. That's what usually fear says. And how you play on it. But isn't it true that in this psalm, where it says the mountains are picked up and moved and the seas roar and rage and the hills are shaken by violence is a worst case scenario? Wouldn't you think so? I mean, compared to life on earth, we can pretty much expect the cold and the hot and sometimes rainy, sometimes dry, but it's not extreme where the land we walk on isn't reliable to be there anymore. We know it's still going to be there the next day. We still know that unless there's an earthquake and huge tremors, nothing's going to happen. But, we have earthquake insurance because it's possible. And we live near a vault line and we've had several little tremors near us recently, haven't we? There's some shaking going on. But, we still feel a little secure in the fact that the ground we're standing on hasn't fallen down and crumbled and no longer there. But one day, this earth will be no more. We just don't think it will be today or tomorrow. So we don't think about that. And we don't think about, well, when this earthquake comes and all the fault line changes everything, we don't think about that because it just seems impossible to happen soon. And so we say, even if this happens, I'll trust God. But what about when it happens? Are you ready for the when? What happens when the when happens for you? What happens when you watch a mount be lifted up and carried into the sea, as verse 2 says? What are you going to do when everything you believed in and relied on is picked up and it's gone? What do you do when your stability is no longer stable? What do you do? Who do you call on? Where do you turn to? When the sea starts to rage, and let me tell you, this doesn't necessarily mean the oceans. It could be the sea of your life where everything's up and in turmoil and it's all crashing and the waves are destroying what you consider your life's shoreline with the winds beating hard and your life is a hurricane. What do you do? Who do you turn to? Who's your refuge? Who's your source of strength? When the mountain starts to shake and not you shaking on the mountain... In my life, I can think of no greater danger than to be on Grandfather Mountain and have it shake with me on or near it uncontrollably violently. I know bombs are scary and most folks are afraid of them. And war is dangerous and diseases are tragic, but I'm still more afraid of that with that mountain. Where can I go? If the mountain I'm on is shaking so violently that it's going to fall, 
with that which I rely on to give me strength and security doesn't work. What do I do? What do you do? These are the questions that this psalmist raises for us this morning. And he doesn't just say it in a gentle way. It's, it's a painful way to look at it when you say even when. Because we can't assume that our lives are never going to have a tragedy. One day they will end. There will be an even when for us. We are going to have to face the truth sooner or later that God is God and we are not and this world is temporary. For some of us, we're going, thank God, I'd rather have a better world later and this rough one now. So where is your refuge? Where is your source of strength? Where do you find your port in the storm? When it starts to hurt really bad. Where do you find shelter from the chilly blast of the winter of life's darkest nights? Where do you go? Who do you turn to? Especially when the one you used to turn to isn't there anymore. Are you waiting on the tragic to learn your answer to that question? God can't be an idea. Let me tell you something. And I hope you understand that this is just a a pastor and a friend trying to tell you the truth about something that your faith in Jesus Christ is going to be tested a lot in smaller situations before big ones come. And I'll tell you why. Because your faith in Jesus Christ can't be untested when you go into the tragedy. You need to know it's going to hold you up. You need to know that Jesus is bigger than whatever you're facing. Because if you don't, where do you go? Because everything's bigger than And there's nothing to stop the madness or the pain. So where do you go now for comfort when you hurt? Is it the same place you used to go to? I don't go to my parents anymore. I realized one day I couldn't. And there's a part of me that still does. I remember in 1991, my grandmother had died. And we went up to the funeral. And I used to call her every now and then and talk to her about things to let her know how things were going. And as I was driving back home, I was living in Georgia at the time, and, and I had this thought. I said, you know, I can't wait to get back home. We didn't have cell phones back then. I can't wait to get back home and call Grandma and tell her what's going on because I really hurt because she's gone. It was at that moment when my source of comfort was gone, I knew it. And it hurt. And I was alone. There was another moment where God felt like He wasn't there. It felt like it. As I sobbed for a couple hours on that drive. For many of us, the answers have changed of where we go to find comfort over the years. Mine had to. Those folks are no longer with me. The Bible says our God is a refuge in times of trouble. I got some verses on the on the screen for you. Psalm chapter nine tells us this. The Lord is a refuge for those who are oppressed, a place of safety 
in times of trouble. Those who know You, O Lord, will trust You. You do not abandon anyone who comes to You. Listen, He says, don't miss this. He doesn't abandon you when you come to Him. He's not going to say, I won't be there. He is there. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. These words come over and over again. But we say, God, I don't see you. I don't feel you. How can I find you? This hurts so bad, God. Why don't you come and comfort me? The psalmist cries out over and over again these words about that. In chapter 10, he says that this. It's also, I think I have that for you. Why are you so far away, God? Why do you hide yourself when we're in trouble? God, why are you hiding from me? God, where are you? Don't you ask those questions? God, where are you? This is the time I need you. Why are you not here? God, it feels like my mountains are shaking. Where are you? I speak to them and they don't calm down. You say, if I have enough faith, I could cast them to the sea. But they still tremble at the trouble. He says in Psalm 37, the Lord saves the righteous and protects them in times of trouble. He helps them and rescues them. He saves them from the wicked because they go to Him for protection. They're not trying to rely on anything but God. And sometimes we have to learn that the hard way that God is the only one who can. Sometimes we just don't understand it. In Psalm 88, I find these words, and you can read them. Hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for help. So many troubles have fallen on me that I'm close to death. The fear comes on and it feels like life is over. And sometimes it feels like it would be better that way. Well, I'm not here today to tell you life is easy. And I'm not here to tell you when you belong to Jesus Christ that things are going to be smooth sailing all the time. Scripture even tells us many are the afflictions of the righteous. But it also says God will deliver you out of them all. Never miss the second half of that verse. He will deliver you out of them all. Your relationship with Jesus Christ does not mean that your life is going to be hunky-dory and okay. It means He's going to be there in ways you can't expect or anticipate or know. Listen, I'm here to tell you the truth today. You are never alone and you never were. Everything telling you otherwise is lying to you. I'm going to say that again. If there's ever a thought, I'm all alone in your mind, it is not from God. It is a lie. God has never left you. He has never forsaken you. Which is why when Jesus said, My God, My God, why hast Thou forsaken Me? God had not forsaken Him. He was quoting the 22nd Psalm of His life. You read the entire psalm, it's exactly what He's going through. He's quoting God's Word to Him, saying it feels like it. And the psalmist even says, God, I cry out to You. Why aren't You here? But he's still calling out to God. He's not calling out to some idea. He's not, I can't call out to my parents and say, where are you? I need you. I can't do it. They're not there. He calls out to someone who is, who was, 
and who always will be. God's Word is truth. God was there in your darkest moments. He is there in your darkest moments. He will be there in your future dark moments. In all moments. He is I am. He was always I am with you. He will always be I am with you. And so this morning, I want you to hear the fourth verse of Psalm 46. You see, David has set up the story that God is my shelter and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, I'm not going to be afraid when the mountains are carried into the sea. Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Here's verse 4. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall never be moved. I need something permanent. I need something that isn't going to go away one day. I need something that's not going to be unreliable. I like something that's consistent and able and strong enough. And I can't find anybody else but God to do that. What about you? Who do you trust? When it hurts so bad you don't know how to speak a word and your soul just groans and cries out, who are you calling on? Who's your soul aching for? No person can touch that pain. No person can reach that core soul heart cry. But there is one who knows all your afflictions and is touched with the feelings of your infirmities and is acquainted with how you feel because He feels it with you. The worst thing I ever told God is, God, you've never been there for me. Why is it the worst thing? Because it was a lie. God has always been there. But there are some people who still think, well, if God was there, why did this happen? In the movie we watched last night, there was a tragedy where a young man's daughter was abducted and he said, God, if you cared, why did you let that happen? Why? 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 And we ask these questions, why? And if God, if you just were just, this wouldn't happen. It's not fair. How do you answer that? Is God an idea of fair or is He a God of love? Does He love you in spite or instead of? How do you see God played out in your life? When you say, God, where were you? God says, I was right there. But God, I didn't see you. It's because your faith was not looking. Your eyes were and your thoughts were. But faith is the conviction of things not seen. God promised He was there in those moments. He is there in those moments and will always be there. And the eyes of faith are the only way you can see Him there to see what He's doing in those moments. Someone once asked, where was God during the Holocaust? And someone said, He was in heaven crying. And He was in the concentration camp grieving. That's where God was. Well, why didn't He save them? It said because He was there for them 
to be with them, to know that no matter what you face, you're not alone. Because it's not promised to be easy. It's only promised that God will be there and bring you through to an unmovable, permanent thing. This world is tragic. It's an ironic comedy type of play that ends in tragedy if you don't have God. So even when your mountains start shaking, and you're shaking too. God is your ship, is your refuge and strength, your shelter. He really is. And He's there. And He's bigger than that mountain. And He's bigger than anything you can hold up to and say, God, what about this? He said, I'm bigger. I've got that. I'll help. I'm your ever present help. He doesn't say, I'm going to make everything better. He says, I'm there to help you. unfair. But I want to tell you this. It's not unfair. What would be unfair is for you to go through that and not have a source of help? To have a God who didn't care about those moments. That would be tragic. But I tell you the truth. This morning you have a God who does care. Who loves you very much. Is with you in every moment. And He wants you to know that this morning. And whatever in your mind or your thought or your heart is questioning that you need to say, get behind me, Satan. Because my God is a God of love who's with me in all times. He's promised me that and He's never failed. And He never will. And if this is just a thought and an idea and not based on knowing who Jesus is, when the tough time comes, you're going to forget. Let me tell you what I did on that mountain. Linville Falls. I didn't tell you the whole story. I told you most of the whole story, but there was one piece left out, and I think you will understand why I say it now. Because on that ledge, at the time I wasn't married, wasn't dating anybody, 12 days until people would come to look for me. They wouldn't know where to look. I didn't tell anybody. I was unfindable. I was not in a well-beaten path. I would have been in some rocks and crags where I would have fallen to. And even if I had survived, I couldn't have rescued myself out of there. And no one would have seen me. In that moment, this thought ran through my mind. No one will know I'm gone. And no one cares that I'm gone. Because they don't expect me anywhere. I have nobody with me. But you, God. And God, if you don't do something, you're the only one who's ever going to know what happened on this side of this cliff. So it's up to you. Because if you don't do it, it isn't going to get done. And then I said, God, I'm letting go of the tree. And I can't hold on. So either you hold me up or you don't. That's up to you. You ever felt like that? 
You ever been there? It's a scary place, but it's where you know God is. It's where you see Him as real because He's brought you through. Even when things are falling apart and life is turned upside down and no one even knows you're going to be missing. God does. He was there. Or I wouldn't be here today. Would you pray with me? <coughs> Heavenly Father, I'm thankful that You never leave us or forsake us. And there's a part of us that sometimes questions, but God, in the painful moments, You didn't stop them. Heavenly Father, would You please show us this morning in those moments where You were helping